Today's Read Me Romance is brought to you by Two of a Kind by Ella Good. When money is tight and your family relies on you, the rules don't apply. For Brad, hacking is not only a way of life, but it puts food on the table and sends his brilliant sister to a private school. Nighttime Secret fights fund the gaps like special tennis shoes or expensive school uniforms. His work doesn't leave much time for average activities like school and dating. Ordinarily, a rich, perverse girl needing tutoring would only piss him off. But Emily is no ordinary girl. She's gorgeous, funny, and every part of Brad's body wants her. There's no law he won't break, no rule he won't step on, no person, not even her senator father, will prevent Brad from claiming her. They belong together. They're two of a kind. Two of a Kind is part of Ella Good's FU series. There is a total of three books in the series now. They're all high school romance, fall in love with Happily Ever After, each are standalone. So go check those out. The third and final book in the FU series is now live. See you guys in a minute with Tessa and Leah. Hey, lady listeners. Hey. hey. It's officially December, which means we can talk about Christmas without everybody bitching about motherfucking Thanksgiving first. <laughs> Thank Christ. I am so sick of that shit. Like, oh, let's wait for Thanksgiving. I am straight up that Mariah Carey meme where she says, I don't know her about Thanksgiving, okay? I don't care. <laughs> Welcome to Read Me Romance. <laughs> Abby Knox week. It's December 2nd. You're in the right place. <laughs> I mean, they knew they were in the right place, though. When we I just came started. in angry. I just want to say yeah. that. So there's a thing in Long Island where, like, everybody gets these, like, cave crickets in their basement in a certain time of year. Are they shit crickets? Like, the ones with the really long legs and they're gray? Like, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, they're, they're black. Oh, okay. They're, they're like dark. Okay, yeah. We call those shit crickets. I've never heard you of them. You see them when you're camping and, like, like around toilets when you're camping and stuff. Uh, no, they're only I'm petrified they're, of they're relegated to they're like only in my basement. They I never see them anywhere in the house except now the cat has started bringing them up. Oh, oh yeah, that's this? right. No, but the oh spiders. Yeah, you told us. You told us last week. Or the spiders. They were bringing up spiders. She just brings up spiders. everything. Yeah. Anyways. I got a bird two days ago. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> At least this one wasn't exploded. It was just a dead one. Oh, God. Thanks, God. <laughs> Wait, okay. Before we go any further, we have to discuss uh, Leah getting bangs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a huge moment in every woman's life. It's not to be glossed over. <laughs> the day it's she very, gets I mean, bangs. first of all, we, we were talking about it before. It's not just that you decide to get bangs. You then also have to convince your hairdresser yes. to give you the bangs. Mm-hmm. They Because they think Is that hard? Yes. Yeah. Try to get bangs oh. now. See what mine happens. will not give me. Mine won't give me bangs. Listen, like I know Kansas pieces. City like hair. I know you're. I followed Mel's Instagram, like her her hair lady's Instagram. Also follows Simone too. Just FYI, I follow both y'all's hairdressers <laughs> on Instagram. She's not giving you bangs, Mel. Just ask her. So she'll say no. <laughs> I'm gonna test it next time okay. I go. Like, can I have bangs and see what she's like? Uh, no. But, um, so my, she's my friend, Shannon. I met, she was my hairdresser first. Like that's how I met her. I actually saw another lady in my daughter's kindergarten class with gorgeous hair. And I was like, I ran up to her. I didn't know anybody. 
we had just moved here and I ran in and I was like, where do you get your hair done? And she was like, this lady Shannon does it. So I went to Shannon and the first time I sat down in her chair, I was said something about, oh, well, you know, going to Universal. She was like, do you like Harry Potter? And that was it. Like we were best friends after that because she's super into Harry Potter too. So it was like, we were just meant to be. So we became really good friends. So Shannon was at my house um, a few months ago. This was before the summertime. We I had like a, a game night party or something. And I had a couple glasses of wine. I was like, do you bring your scissors to my house and give me bangs? And she said, absolutely not. <laughs> so, and then um, a few months later, it was in the summertime. And I was like, I think I really want bangs. And she's like, no. <laughs> so, so I kept pushing it. And then, so she asked me, like, I went to, I only see her once a year. The last time I went to her was December 4th because number one, my hair doesn't grow fast. And I like my hair, like balayage where it's really rooty. So I can let that go for a whole year and it still looks good. Or at least I think it does fuck what people think. <laughs> so I went to her and I was like, okay, I really want bangs. And she's like, are you sure? Like your hair doesn't grow fast. This is a big commitment. If you haven't had bangs before, you know, this is different. And I'm like, I want to go for it. And she's like, all right, well, I'm with you on it. Let's do it. And afterwards she was like, oh my God, you make me want to cut my bangs. Like it, she was really liked it. She liked how it turned out. But, you know, I was telling Tessa, I think before we started recording, I said, I think the last time I had bangs, I was in middle school and I cut them myself. And they were like really, really short, like half an inch long and they were crooked and it was just traumatizing. So I haven't had bangs since then. You know, I've had long layers in the front, but that's so about they look it. really good. Thank they you. look really, You're really good. And I if I the problem see the thing is if I cut my bangs, I would never get them to fall like that. Mm-hmm. Like in the day after I left the hairdresser, they would look like clumpy pieces like pieces of like You think shit. <laughs> my you know what I my daughter sat on my own hair. It's terrible. My you guys well everybody if you've been in the Raven Romance group, you've seen my daughter because she's done a video mm-hmm. in there. She's really short hair. And you know what she's begging me for? A fucking perm. I've seen that, yeah. No. That's such a big thing now. It's coming back. I'm so traumatized. She has no hair. Perms. Yeah, but. What are we perming yeah, here? Yeah, but when you do it, it's supposed to be like really wavy and curly. So here's my question. So then would it have to be repermed in a month? Because it, it's going to be this much, like three inches firm yeah. and the rest completely straight yeah, flat. Yeah, you have to keep doing it until you cut it out because it's a chemical. But at some point, your perm will fall out. Like, it won't be as curly. So, I mean, you can let it grow, but there will be a distinct growth line. But I've been so against this. But then I was thinking, you know what? They get, like, a Christmas amount mm-hmm. of money they can they get to pick their gifts from. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I should just get her that part of her Christmas. And if it fails then that was on her she wanted yeah. it it's just that it's gonna be it's hard you can't go back from a perm like quickly it's not like a haircut yeah you, you can't can just blow it, it out. or bad color it's it's once it's in there that's the reason it's called it's a perm because it's a permanent but, yeah she, has to get a hair, she gets her hair chopped off every like three weeks because she's like a boy haircut well, and, yeah it's gonna be gone in a month true i mean yeah that's true well and you know what i mean if she can find somebody that'll do it, because most people won't do perms anymore because the ke- the chemical smell is so bad that most hairdressers do not do it unless they have like a lot of older clients that they'll give it to. But it's just, my mother, I'm sure there's got to be somebody in my town. Yeah, <laughs> true. Somebody will do it. 
my mother was a hairdresser and she used to do people's hair in our garage. Like she had a whole studio in her garage. Like she put down a floor, she got like a professional chair, she had tools everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I used to get a perm like in the 90s. I used to get like a per- uh, perm like every 6 months. Mm-hmm. When and I remember like so distinctly her spraying, like her putting the, the curlers yep. in, mm-hmm. putting the solution on and my fucking scalp in burning. That bottle. Ah, just and like what a bad decision that was and the smell and it would like make your eyes tear and then I would just have this like frizzy and I'd be like looks amazing <laughs> I, had <this> big sun- <laughs> I had this big sunflower clip I would put in it so I'd have this like really frizzy curly hair and then a big sunflower in the side Wow, that was a phase. Oh my that god, a... those are the days. That's funny. So my yeah, daughter. So... Uh, speaking of hair, though, I did take Mackenzie to get purple streaks in her hair this weekend. I saw that. That was really cute on Instagram. It turned out good. It was subtle, you know. Like in order to put, I know, and you you had asked before. You know, this was last year. You were like, "How can I put this purple in my daughter's hair?" Like she's begging me for it, and I like I you tried like shampoo and chalk and paint and all this stuff. So you finally just had to highlight it, right? Well, I, so last time I was at some, the hairdresser, I was like, do people like ever bring their kids in here? And she goes all the fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) And I turned around and there was like an 11 year old getting like, um, her hair done behind me. Yeah. Full of balayage. So welcome to Long Island. And I was like. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to bring Mackenzie and I'm, I'm going to get her, I'm going to like make a whole day out of it. She's going to go to the fancy hairdresser and get purple streaks in her hair. It'll be cute, you know? Mm-hmm. So we go and I'm thinking, okay, great. It's going to take an hour tops. You know, mm-hmm. it was like four foils. It didn't work the first time. It washed right out. Yeah. So we had to go back in and do, we had to bleach mm-hmm. the streaks yep. and then do it again. We were there for four hours <laughs> for a yeah. purple streak in this kid's hair. I was like... I was ready. I was ready to scream. It was like. Remember when they the did mine? I remember. It took it took eight hours yep. to do mine. Crazy. Yeah, but I told you that I said when you go the first time, bring a comfortable seat, wear something comfortable, bring your laptop. You're gonna be there all fucking day. Yeah, it's like that. But that's like that with kids. I, really, I enjoy it. I'm really, really starting to enjoy it. Well, like mine was just a root touch up, and I was there for four hours. So that's just, I just have a lot of hair. But with kids and stuff, especially like if you have virgin hair and it wouldn't take the shampoo, you know, Mackenzie's hair wouldn't take, you know, the streak stuff. Like it wouldn't take any color before that. Yeah, you're 100%. She should just have gone in and say, just bleach it because it, there's no way it would have taken that color. I just thought professional strength can like, anyways, I, I thought professional like the strength professional um, color would do it. dye would, yeah, it would take no matter mm-hmm. what, but it like... <laughs> It, it, they washed her hair and I was like, oh my God. And she yeah. was so disappointed that I was, and I was almost like, oh, we'll come back another day. But then I could see she was so disappointed. Like her face fell. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I guess we'll just stick it out. So we like, yeah. you know, went to Starbucks while she did the next customer and then went back in. I was like, wow, oh. this is a whole, this is a whole thing. <laughs> so. But she, she looked t- really excited though. She, it looks great. Like she loves it. And you know, Next time we go in, she won't have to do the whole bleach again. They'll yeah. just do those same the same area mm-hmm. because all those strands are bleached. So yep. So okay, let's talk about Abby Knox a little bit. Let's do it. She lives in Leah's town. Yeah. So she's here this week with Doctor Dave. Did you guys read this? 
No. I told her I was going to wait and listen to the audio. You're going to listen to it on the podcast. Yeah, because okay. I told her, she's like, are you going to read it for her? And I was like, I'm going to try to. And then I had you guys send me the book. And I was like, you know what? I told her I'd listen to it. So I'm just going to wait and listen to it when you guys do. <laughs> same. Same. Yep. Okay. So Abby Knox lives a dual life. Fantasy Abby would love to live on a farm where she's where she could raise goats, chickens, bees, donkeys, alpaca, and make her own yarn, soap, and cheese. Reality Abby has no desire to muck out stalls. So the pragmatic Reality Abby keeps Fantasy Abby happy by putting her into works of romantic fiction. Both Abbies hope you enjoy these sassy, spicy, smutty, and sometimes weird stories. So she's adorable, and she actually sent like some fun, some fun facts about her. I love, um, I love her so much on how excited and nervous and prepared she is for this week. <laughs> she is. She sends me all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I can't keep up with all this information. <laughs> so she says, even though Doctor Dave, this story that we're gonna play for you, she says, even though Doctor Dave is sort of um, my love letter to Doctor Drew Pinsky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys remember him from Love? Oh yes. my god. I love him. He's on Teen Mom, Do you know, too. we were talking, I think that's what sort of, like, inspired this book is a couple of months back when we were talking about, um, we talked about old radio shows or, you know, like, radio talk therapy shows. I don't remember how we got on the subject, but we were talking about it, and I think she texted me later, and she was like, I really want to write a story about that. And I was like, you should. She's like, maybe I'll do that for the podcast. <laughs> So she says, even though Dr. Dave's sort of a love letter to Dr. Drupinski, the dedication in the ebook is also going to be about another figure and community entirely that pulled me through a recent bout of anxiety and depression. I know you all talk a lot about porn and read me romance, but I haven't heard you talk about a thing that is up and coming in the world, erotic audio. I think plenty of the listeners would enjoy this. My interest in this started with an innocent search on YouTube for reassuring slash affirming male voices. I'll let my therapist sort out that mess later. <laughs> <laughs> and that almost immediately led me to Gale Force Audio. And I've had, uh, I have a, a reader of mine, um, Malia, who, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said her name, but <laughs> that she, she won't mind, um, who listens to this. Gale Force Audio. So it's G-A-E-L Force Audio. Uh, who does a mix of meditation, romantic, comedy, and horror. Oh, trust me, it's good. I don't know what kind of space-age microphone setup he has, but it is super powerful and um, effective. Much like romantic tropes, he has a video for just me uh, for just about any theme you want. So basically, he does like dirty talk, intimate audios, and, he pret- and you're basically the girl he's talking to. Yeah. And I, I've listened to it before. There's another one. Uh, oh, I got to think of the... I got to think of the guy. Well, I'll tell you this one. She told me about him and she was like, look it up. Listen to this. Go on YouTube. She was like, I'm a Patreon on his account now. (laughs) She was like, cause I want him to keep doing this shit. So I yeah. listened to one on, and it's, it's Gail, spell it again, because it's funny, the spelling that you had. It's G, it's G-A-E-L-F-O-R-C-E. Okay. Gale Force Audio. So that's the guy's and, name. Yeah. And so you go on and you can go on YouTube and listen to it. And the one I listened to was that he's waking the woman up. Like, it's a weekend, and he's waking her up. He was like, hey, it's time to get up, babe. Hey, <laughs> did you sleep good? Oh, I missed you. You know, like, it's just, like, it, you can hear, like, the birds in back in the background, and it feels like, like, he makes the sounds like, mm, If you close your eyes, little. you're in like, bed with him. Oh, my God. It, like. I was yeah. listening to it, and I was like, I have to turn this off. <laughs> like, it was... <laughs> I was like, I'm in line at, like, the, the school pickup. I was like, this is not the place. 
lights for this. I know. It makes you feel unfaithful because it's so one-on-one it and it's so it intimate. It is so intimate. Oh, my God. Like, I felt like I had all of these feelings at one time. And Abby was like, she's like, I'll just, she said, there's ones that are completely innocent where he's just telling you you did a good job at work. And she's like, I'm just sitting there listening to it thinking, God, I'm so turned on. <laughs> you know, where it's like. I'm not saying this means that men, that men in our life have to do a better job. <laughs> But I'm thinking that it might mean that because if these things are popping up everywhere and people are need and women are needing it so badly, then well, he's got an Irish up, accent dudes. too, so I'm sure. Yeah, he's got an Irish. So accent. I'm sure that um, would feel really close to home for you, Tessa. <laughs> too close to home. Yeah, yeah. I've I've tried it. I prefer uh, British filth. Yeah, uh, it's a guy named Matt, and like he's a. Uh, beating it really hard while he does it yeah she said you can on this patreon on gales she said that you can go on and there's ones where he's just straight jerking it she's like i don't know how he's making these sounds it's like fapping it's like Uh a fapping sound um but he british british uh british filth his name's matt and he has one called cum slit Shut up. Because like I can't like I don't I couldn't I could not stand one where he's being affectionate with me like how are you doing baby like yeah. in the morning I'd be like ah fuck like no 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 but the one where he's being mean to me and, like, <laughs> oh my God. Mean like that's things, the one that I can get down with mm-hmm. and uh, British British filth Matt he has a lot of stuff like how, that. where do you find has... this at do you just Google British filth Matt. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna look and see if it's on Instagram, but I know he has um he so he was he's on Twitter, which he probably has links on Twitter to all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And for a while I think he was on Tumblr. So I'm not sure if Tumblr is if they banned that now. Mm-hmm. Probably. Did, uh let me see if he's on. But it's Instagram. so interesting. Like she she was she was telling me about the ASMR stuff and I was like, I had heard of this, but I had never explored it. But, you know, I when I watch porn, it's usually with no sound. Me too. Yeah. So I don't know that I could make a habit. That's so funny. Yeah. I don't know if I could make a habit of listening to someone, you know, like the sexual thing, like the ASMR stuff. But I can see how easily it's like it is very exciting and it feels really nice. When I listen to the videos and stuff, like the when I listen to the YouTube videos, I was like, "Oh shit, okay, I can see why people get down with this." But again, like I'm, like I wanna, I wanna see it, but I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so. I have to hear, I have to hear the guy groaning. For me, that's the whole. Maybe like, it's the type I, I need of to see porn I listen to. The guy, I want to hear the girl cry. <laughs> You don't want to hear, you do want to hear I her I don't cry? want to hear her cry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I said, maybe that's the type of porn that I'll watch too much. But it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear her crying in the background, but I want to hear him say all the terrible things. <laughs> oh, I love, I, I like, yeah, I need to see his face. Like whenever I see the preview and his neck is, and it's like nothing from the neck up for the, for the guy, I'm like, I, I need to see his face. And I need to hear him, oh, like, I don't want his face. groaning. I need to hear all of it. Yeah, I like, that's why this appeals to me so much. But, so if you go to Instagram and go at British Filth, um, he has his his quick links, has, like, uh, you know, BritishFilth.com. He's on Twitter. He's on Tumblr. He's on Instagram. He's on Reddit. Um, and he's got a Patreon. But I highly recommend. And nobody knows what he looks like. Yeah. And he's, oh, he, I want to say also, he's super people positive and body positive 
you like you are not good like he's going to make you feel good that's awesome yeah thanks for that you know i actually have a segue for this because you were talking about dr drew Uh for a second and you know because you asked us about anal and yes the best anal and dr drew has done like a special on anal before yeah like what oh yeah he he says it is you should not do it you should not do it you should not do anal like, well, what does he say Why? to the gay community? I don't know. I remember a long time ago he said it's not, it's it's not meant for the woman's body to be able to take it that way. He said it's not natural. You can hurt yourself. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure you can, but you can hurt yourself I, vaginally too. Like that's what I said too. But I remember listening to it one day in the car with my husband. He's like, "We're turning this off." We're turning it off. <laughs> I just remember because I bring it up to him all the time when he starts like itching for it. I'm like, well, Dr. Drew. Wow. That would be cause for divorce. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The reason I asked you guys about this is because, um, and I don't want to say which website because I think that might be bad, but somebody was telling me that one of the number one searches on this certain website uh, for books is is for anal sex scenes uh, in books. I was like, really? And it's women searching it, I think. I mean, unless, yeah, unless it, men have it, gotten it, a hold of this website. I don't know, maybe, and maybe because I know that's the number one search for. But it's within, but it's within searches. romance books, so I don't, I don't feel like that is a male search. Maybe not, but it got me, got me wondering if you guys have read any anal in books that you liked that you wanted to recommend. Do you have anything? I don't. Aunt Leah writes. Oh, thanks. Do it a lot or something. <laughs> <laughs> I will not confirm nor deny, but thank you for that compliment. What? What? In the butt? In the butt? What? What? In the butt? Yes. I just, hold on. I'm going to look up something real quick while you talk, because I want to confirm something that I have. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, there was an anal sex scene in a book, and I thought it was anal, but now I'm looking back on what maybe it wasn't. So you guys talk. I'm going to find this. Well, I was reading, so I, I, um... I, I, so I went onto good old Goodreads and I looked up, you know, and a list with anal sex, a book, books with anal sex in them. And I was like, which one of these have I read? And one that came up was Reaper's Property by Joanna Wilde. Yes, that's you an guys old read, one. It's an old one. And it's the, one of the only MC books I've ever read. No? No, I've read it a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading I this. No, I read that I it's been a long me. time ago, but I don't remember. Who was it by? Joanne Wilde? Yeah, Joanna Wilde. She wrote this book That's called okay. Reaper's Property, and I, I've never been able to read His it. His name was Horse, right? His name was yes, Horse. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, it. I, okay. Mel was the one that told me about this book, and I think I read it, but God, it's been so long ago. I don't remember. Well, it's one of the only MC books I ever read because I can't suspend disbelief, like, enough to be like, because I'm just constantly like, when are the police going to show up, though? Because they just killed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot get my head out of, like, they're just, they just, like, like, run their own. When are the police going to show up and arrest that guy? But we're going to bang this virgin 47 times in <laughs> yeah. a row. Because uh, that's, that's the believable that part. <laughs> the disbelieving likes- is the other one. Yeah, Reaper's property is like this girl. This girl, uh, her brother is in trouble with the MC, 
So basically, this guy, Horace, who is one of the members, he's just like, well, I'm gonna fuck you as payment now, as much as I want and as often as I want. And she's like, no, you're not. And he's like, yep, I am. And then he just keeps showing up and doing it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it, it, it's so offensive, but it's so wonderful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it, you're just so turned on, you can't look away. Yes. Um, and I don't mean it's like, I'm not calling this book offensive at all. But I mean, she, you know, she knows what she's doing. and It's hot. I, I can't, I can't get past it. Okay, so my favorite anal sex scene was in the book This Man. And I I swear to God, it happens in the very beginning. Like, the first time they have sex, he bends her over. And I remember her saying specifically in the book, she says, aren't you supposed to use lube for that? And he said, you're wet enough. And he, like, dips down and gets it and puts it in her ass. Like, Wait, which, uh, which book In This Man by Jody Elamopoulos. Oh, yeah. No, there is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I specifically remember that being, like, their first time, too. When he takes her to, and he's like, just let me he do this. He takes her to that apartment. Yes. And he just bends yeah. her over and does it. And I was like, wow, they're just going straight butt stuff first time. Like, first go. All right. Okay, I'm he's here like, for I'm this. claiming all of this right now. Yes. Like, I'm just, I'm getting both. I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, Check, this, I'm checking the boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not wasting any time. Like, that is, that I remember reading that and being like, wow. (laughs) Like, when I read it, because I was just like, that, we're just doing this. Have you ever written, like, anal sex in your books, Tessa? Well, you wrote The Male Male. Yeah. So, I assume, yes. So, yes. I think there, shit, now I can't remember if there's any in my um, other books. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, going to have to just stare at my shelf. As you, like, Um, stop and think about it. (laughs) But, um, I'm not sure if there has been. I don't, I don't think there has been in any of the other books. No. I enjoy writing it in a sex scene because there is something still so taboo about it. Like, there is still something that is, like, the the dominance, the ownership, the sexiness, the trust. Like, it is, it, it's always a really deep scene. I mean, for lack of a better word. But, like, <laughs> whenever you write something like that, like, it is... Like, I'm, I feel like I'm really focusing in on it when I do those scenes because they're, I feel like not only are they really important, but they're just, they're sexy and dirty and you can just go for it. And that doesn't happen all the time. Like when you write a sex scene, you can't just be like, well, this character wouldn't do that. You know, like there are where you're like, well, these, this couple wouldn't have anal sex. It's just not in their forte. He's too excited. He wants to get her pregnant or whatever, you know? But there's, like, when you have a more dominant hero, I think, where it's, like, oh, no, I have to own every part of her. Like, it has to belong to me. Yeah. I think that's when it's really fun. So Definitely. You know, I agree with you. I, like, if you're looking for some anal and audio, I would suggest. Um, <laughs> anal and audio. Anal and, anal like, and make audio. Make that the title of, a, of like, an, an image. I'll be like, anal an and audio. <laughs> Please make me a graphic that says that. Thank you. Is that specific enough for you, Amazon? Uh, anal and audio. Obviously, <laughs> the Masters of Menage is going to have Oh, yeah. Anal. Any kind of menage you've got, go for it. <laughs> so you can always go there and I love all of those mm-hmm. and then table for three is always my go-to oh, we talked about that who is that by I know it's um like Lainey yes yes it's it's Lainey Reese it is so oh, like God. I love that book so much because you get this menage and it is just like the stickiest sweetest book mm-hmm. at the same time of being completely dirty and God, do I they love have that book. It? I think I'm going to listen to that today. Book, is that the one with the epilogue 
where they make her squirt, but they're like, we don't do it very often because it's like a treat for her. So we don't, we don't do it. And they make her sit in the chair and like, they watch her while like one of them goes over and like rubs her pussy until she does it. Like it's so dirty. I can't, I don't, I can't remember. They do all kind. The whole book is sex. The whole thing is just sex. A couple chapters in and you're already like. They're just fucking. Yeah. But it's like. Like he sees her at a bar when he's by himself, a club he owns. And then he like takes her up to the room, fucks the shit out of her, and then calls her fr- his friend. And he's like, "I found her." He's our like, boss. "You got to come get a taste of this. Like, you got to come fuck this. It's that good." Which is just such a turn on. <laughs> and, then, um, <laughs> and then, but there's I can't. There's another book though that comes after it, and I think that's where that scene is where they make her squirt because they're like. She said they won't give it because she pouts. She was like, they won't do it all the time. And they were like, it's a treat <laughs> like or whatever it is. The way they, because they get her off so hard that she does this thing. And it's almost like a party trick. <laughs> like they do it. They, that, <laughs> I think they do it in front of people. Like if I'm not mistaken, they're at a party. Yes, they, they, will, they will fuck her. In front, in front of, of people. people. Yeah. I think that's in like the next I just perked book. up. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> no. Like Talk they won't let they this. won't let Yeah, that that couple is in the series, like throughout, so you'll get other couples, mm-hmm. but they will let people watch them fuck her. They aren't allowed to oh touch my her. God, it's so nasty. But they will let people watch. Oh, it's so good. They like to like show her off. Like this is ours. Uh-huh. They're like, she look blocks, what she like they're does. proud of her. It is. It's a party trick. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but she's like they don't do it all the time they're like it's a treat <laughs> I love it I love it so much okay you guys Um, so we're gonna go ahead and uh, play the first the first installment of Dr. Dave by Abby Knox oh do you wanna read and do you, did you read the blurb for this book already I don't have it no. in front of me oh okay sorry I thought but, it was in with your with your stuff that's okay uh no I don't have it with my stuff but it's this is Dr. Dave and when, when I'll we, go do you have it okay, oh, okay. But Abby Knox, I have it go. okay well, I don't know if you guys know this, but we have this website. I like keep our shit. Oh, do you? And what? you can just like click on it and the blurb what, there. What, what website is this, Mel? Why don't you remind our listeners what website is <laughs> All right, I'll read it's the It's readmeromance.com. <laughs> Working in the graveyard shift at a local shopping mall, it, mall isn't as bad as you think. And 29-year-old security guard Millie has plenty of hobbies to help her pass the lonely hours each night. Need a hand? Knit animal hat, she's got you covered. But the best part of the late night job is tuning in to hear bad boy radio personality Dr. Dave give out unorthodox dating and sex advice on his air and live call shows. With her 30th birthday fast approaching, she's quickly giving up finding true love for herself. Tonight, however, she's giving it one more chance before taking extreme measures. Will dialing up the sexy Dr. Dave finally provide the right prescription? Oh I'm God, guessing her and the so doc good. are hooking it yes. up. Sounds so good. Get on it. And that cover is adorable. It's so fucking it cute. I love it. I love the premise of the story. I love it. Okay, you guys. So uh, we'll catch you on the other side. We'll tell you what uh, what other books that Abby has available. She had a couple. She had one go live today as we're recording, and she has another one going live on um, the week this come this audio comes out. So stay tuned. We'll tell you all about what you can click for Abby next. So joy. Bye. 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 Dr. Dave, longtime listener, first time caller by Abby Knox. Read for you by Lauren Sweet and Matthew Maddox. Chapter 1 David 
It would be reasonable to assume that a radio personality would think to listen to the weather and traffic at the top of the hour before riding his motorcycle to work in December. But in my case, that would be a wrong assumption. It's not that I have a death wish. It's that, number one, I love to ride. And number two, a bike makes escaping the local celebrity stalkers in this city a lot easier than an automobile does. Don't get me wrong, I love my fan base. The honest, non-delusional fan base. I never deny anyone a selfie or an autograph in a safe, public space. But sometimes, I get a slightly unhinged superfan waiting around in the parking garage when I finish my show at 2 a.m. And other times, people like that are waiting to sidle up next to me at one of my speaking gigs or book signings, thinking for some reason that I'd be okay with a stranger's hand sliding into my jeans pocket, looking for... treasure, I guess? Yeah, that happened to me once. I have in the past perhaps encouraged this kind of behavior by talking too much about my dick on the air. Not in any gross or rated R kind of way. Big Brother FCC is always listening, of course. But my size and girth seem to be popular topics on my show. I don't recall how it started, but it somehow morphed into me having a Playboy reputation. Callers lapped it up, and advertisers tossed money at the show like nobody's business. So, even though the station manager would prefer I take a taxi to work, a taxi I won't get reimbursed for, by the way. I mean, have you met my station manager? The thrift is strong with this one. I prefer my bike. On my bike, I can maneuver quickly, and I'm gone before anybody with bad intentions even notices I've passed by. My helmet adding another handy layer of anonymity. Even though I'm a six foot three, 220-pound man who can bench press his own weight, and most of my superfans are women, I can't be too careful. Never know who's out there watching. When the shimmers of light freezing rain appear on the sleeves of my leather jacket about a mile from the station tonight, I curse my luck. By the time I reach the underground parking garage, the dancing wisps of icy mist have changed to more of a drizzle. The freezing rain soaks through the thighs of my jeans in no time. I lock up my bike, and as soon as I'm inside the elevator, I peel off my helmet and leather jacket. I'm soaked through, freezing and disheveled. But my appearance doesn't matter. It's radio, after all. And besides, it's not like I'm going to work to try to impress the woman of my dreams. No, the Dr. Dave show does not serve to help me find the woman of my dreams. In fact, the opposite is true. It helps other people find their happily ever after. The best I can hope for tonight would be a smooth pre-show planning meeting, followed by two hours of solving everyone's relationship dilemmas and an uneventful ride home to my empty luxury downtown loft. Honestly, it's all I need for now. After years of treating innumerable STDs at both my private practice and at the free clinic where I volunteer once a week, not to mention counseling thousands of patients and callers about their romantic and sexual drama, most days I feel too jaded to believe a healthy relationship is possible for me. The statistics I've run in my head are pretty bleak when it comes to happily ever afters. Not that I would ever say that to my callers. No, they want the snarky, sexy bad boy to empower them to tell their lovers what they want and stop being a pussy, so to speak. They want helpful Big Brother Dave to urge them to do the things they already know they need to do. 
I'm happy to oblige and help them out. But to me, the data says, don't even think about that stuff for yourself, big guy. So I keep pumping that iron and then go home and pump my own rod. My right hand won't ever give me relationship drama or chlamydia. Chapter 2 Millie I arrive at work a little later than planned, thanks to the freezing rain. The thing is, I'm thankful for the terrible weather, because by being a few minutes late to work, I might narrowly miss seeing Pretzel Guy, as I call him. His actual name escapes me, but the heebie-jeebies he gives off never do. I breathe a sigh of relief when I park my car in the mostly deserted lot at the shopping mall. No sign of Pretzel Guy's windowless van anywhere, thank goodness. Nope, it's just me arriving for work as the last of the mall's cleaning crews are loading up their cars. Mom calls just as it's time for my shift to start. I'm not excited about stepping out into the freezing rain just yet. In this warmer climate, I'm not used to ice. So I take her call as I watch the security lights catch the dance of the freezing rain as it falls and spreads like glitter on the wet asphalt. Hi, Mom, what's up? I ask, though I know exactly what's up. It's the same thing that's always up when she calls right before I go in to work my job as a security guard on the graveyard shift at Southfield Mall. Jay is going to call you. They need a new receptionist at the construction office. I just want you to know your brothers and I talked about it, and we think this would be a good move for you. My mother raised me and my three very overprotective older brothers by herself since I was 12, and neither she nor my brothers are happy about my line of work. Jay, the oldest, runs his own construction company. The other two, twins Martin and Max, are both cops. My mom, in concert with my brothers, still likes to help me run my life, even though I'm just two years shy of 30. I have a job. Plus, Jay isn't going to pay me nearly what I make here. Well, it'd just be temporary anyway, until you find a husband. Mom, are you listening to yourself? Did you totally miss the sexual revolution or what? She ignores me and keeps going. I get out of my car lock it up, and head to the security entrance of the mall. I pick up my collar and walk gingerly across the quickly icing over asphalt so I don't fall flat on my ass. The controlled indoor climate and the mostly uneventful job waiting for me inside are all things I look forward to. The idea of spending the night alone in a dark shopping mall might scare some people, but I'm what they call an outlier. I like the dark. I like the quiet, and I much prefer them to a bustling mall during the day. I'm not much of a shopper. After all, alone is my general state of being, and sometimes I really like it. Who knows, you might meet a nice guy at the construction office, Mom says. I blurt out a laugh that's a little louder than necessary. I seriously doubt that. I say, thinking of how many times I've walked past any given construction crew, only to be the target of whistles and catcalls. Nice guy my ass, if that experience is any indication.
Hey, Millie, drawls a man's voice behind me. Spoke too soon, it seems. Mom, I'm at work. Gotta go, okay? I hang up the phone and turn to pretzel guy. Hey, nasty weather, huh? Anyway, have a good night. But despite tiny bits of wet ice catching in his hair, he just stands there, shivering as he stands too close to me while I key in my code for the steel security door. Pretzel Guy and I are semi-hidden behind rows of landscaped cypress trees that are just beginning to glaze over the wet, falling ice. I don't like it when this dude stands so close to me in the dark, hidden from the lights of the parking lot meant to protect people like me. It's almost like he knows nobody will see us tucked away in this particular spot. Late night again? I try to communicate my discomfort while being polite at the same time. But I swear to God, if he asks me out again, I might not be so polite. I take solace in the fact that a security camera is trained on the door as I hurriedly work the latch. Meanwhile, Pretzel Guy goes on trying to make small talk. Rough night for driving, he says, dramatically shivering against the cold, obviously trying to look cute and helpless. Something about his attempts at charm really bother me, but I can't quite put my finger on why. I shrug and step inside the door, hoping he'll take the hint and skedaddle. Sure is. Be careful out there. Gotta go. I leave him out there in the cold and make sure the door locks behind me. A shiver runs down my back that has nothing to do with the temperature outside. Soon, the raised hairs on the back of my neck calm down and are replaced by the butterflies in my stomach as I make my way down the hall to the security office, where the bank of monitors await my unwavering attention. Now, those aren't butterflies in my stomach. More like baby bats. Jack, the grandfatherly second shift security manager, is waiting for me when I clock in. He jangles his keys anxious to go sooner rather than later in this weather. We exchange pleasantries. Then he gives me a heads up on one or two of the cameras that seem to be on the fritz and tells me that the second security guard, Paul, who usually handles the foot patrol and lock checks, won't be coming in tonight. Kid is sick with the flu. I tried calling in reinforcements, but nobody else wants to come in. Tried calling the maintenance company, but nobody wants to come in in this weather. Want me to stay and try to fix the cameras myself, or? He trails off while he continues to jangle his keys, and I know the answer he really wants to hear. Nah, go home. Jack, I'm good here. I don't expect I'll be seeing any action tonight. Drive safely, okay? He leaves, and I'm actually kind of glad he's not going to be around. I don't want him to witness what's happening tonight. I unpack my backpack and peel off my winter coat, my uniform already on underneath. Once seated at the bank of monitors, I click on the small radio I keep by the desk and listen to the last hour of the sports talk radio show. I have no idea what they're babbling about, but they're funny guys, and the voices are decent company. I settle in with the set of needles and luscious, stupid expensive yarn I brought, and resume knitting my current work in progress. I'm not overly concerned about the wonky camera situation. The general wonkiness has increased lately, 
but nothing bad has ever happened to me at work because of it. Still, it is annoying. Just another sign that the mall has seen better days when little things fall into disuse and disrepair. As the clock ticks closer to midnight, the flip-flopping in my stomach grows more intense. And so does a certain delicious anticipation. I can't help but smile as I work through row after row of knitting. What is usually a meditative hobby does nothing to quell my excitement. So why am I so full of nervous anticipation? Because tonight at midnight, I, Millie Hansen, the unassuming introvert virgin, will be a featured first-time caller on everyone's favorite live romance advice show, The Dr. Dave Show. Dr. Dave is a bit of a legend in my city, and I've been listening to him for years. That cocky bad boy voice oozes out of my little radio speakers every night at work while I sit at my desk, overseeing all the security monitors deep in the bowels of the mall offices. A few months ago, I emailed the show's producer to tell her my story in hopes of speaking to Dr. Dave on the show. And what do you know? They picked me. Turns out live radio is more orchestrated than I realized, and they scheduled me to call in tonight. I only hope my mother and brothers don't listen, because this is potentially very embarrassing. At five minutes to midnight, I make the call. My fingers shake as I punch in the number on the desk phone. I would use my personal cell phone to call in, but the producer said a landline, if available, is preferred for sound quality and reliability. So if corporate spies are listening in on the mall's phone lines, they are in for an earful tonight. But they probably aren't listening. Hell, they can't be bothered to fix a couple of cameras, so why would they be listening to phone conversations? I take a sip of my tea to fight off dry mouth and then set my knitting down on my lap. I'm not even going to attempt to continue knitting while I speak to the dashing hunk of manhood who will soon pick up on the other end of the line. But I feel the need to keep the soft yarn handy. Always good to have something soft and cozy to hang on to. Once connected, Reagan, the show's producer, instructs me to turn down my radio and adds, Don't ask the doctor any personal questions. I don't try to ask him out or give him your personal number. She sounds a bit territorial, but I shake it off, realizing that with his bad boy reputation and his amazing voice, women probably throw themselves at him all the time. I've heard stories about female listeners sending him their panties in the mail. Hell, even on the show, he and Reagan have joked about women actually showing up to the studio like groupies, trying to get alone time with him. As I wait to be connected live on the air with Dr. Dave, I try to steady my breathing, but it's a losing battle. I text my best friend, Jenny. Oh God, am I really going to do this? Her answer is an immediate, yes. I type, is he going to be able to tell I have the world's most massive crush on him? I inhale deeply and exhale slowly to calm my galloping heart rate. I don't imagine a caller having a cardiac episode on the air would be great for his ratings. Jenny replies, every caller has a crush on him. That's kind of the deal. Just go with it. 
When Jenny and I went out for drinks and decided to make a list of surmountable things that scare us, I should have said I wanted to learn how to ride a horse or surf. When Jenny told me to do one thing every day that scares me, did she mean this? My memory is fuzzy from too much tequila that night. Did she mean a little scary or something that fills me with abject terror? Because that's what I feel right now as I wait for Dr. Dave to come on the line. I hear the click on the phone and feel as though I've inhaled all the air out of the room. Millie, you're on the air. Talk to me, baby. Dr. Dave's voice nuzzles my ear. I feel tingles everywhere. My heart no longer gallops. I think it actually stops for a second. I can't breathe. I can't speak. Fuck, I'm going to fuck this up, live on the radio. Millie, sweetheart, are you there? Oh my God, did he just? Get a hold of yourself, Millie. He calls every female caller sweetheart. He gives everyone pet names, irrespective of gender. That's his shtick. He makes everyone feel special in order to put them at ease before delivering the advice that some people sometimes don't want to hear. I open my mouth, but no words come out. I'm going to blow it. I expect him to give up and stop wasting precious airtime on me, and maybe that's exactly what should happen. I've lost my nerve. I've lost my chance, and maybe I've dodged a bullet. Maybe my sudden muteness is a blessing from the universe, preventing me from suffering humiliation on a live radio show broadcast out to the entire city. But then something magical happens in my ear. Dr. Dave drops his voice lower, softer, like he's right there, murmuring into my ear. He presses me. Millie, honey, I can hear you breathing. I know you're there. The sound of his gentle chuckle produces a delicious clenching between my thighs. He continues, is this an obscene phone call? Because I gotta be honest, it's working for me, baby. The naughty doctor's words bust through some barrier inside me, and I laugh in both amusement and relief. I'm, I'm here, hi, hello. The words all come out, more breathy than intended, but I'm elated that I'm at least no longer voiceless. Thank God, because the next caller is yet another sad sack dude just waiting for me to tell him what he doesn't want to hear. You mean, man up? I say, assuming his producer will add everyone's favorite man up sound drop, and I have to roll my eyes. The sound drops and the catchphrases are the only thing I can't stand about the show, and I've always sensed that Dr. Dave himself loathes them too. That's probably the long and short of it, no pun intended. You, on the other hand, have an incredibly sexy voice, and I happen to really, really like that name. Millie. I'd much rather start the show with a bang, pun intended. I giggle like an idiot, but this only eggs him on. I mean it, it's cute. You've gotta be cute with a name like Millie, right? You know you're cute, don't you? I swallow the saliva in my mouth and realize my salivary glands are not the only part of me that's dripping. How in the hell does he do that? I, I guess so. I mean, I'm not uncute.
I reply. I smack my palm to my forehead. Uncute is not even a word, you moron. Okay, okay. My producer is giving me the mom look right now, so we better get to the meat of your problem. Don't want a spanking from mama tonight. How can Dr. Dave help you tonight, sweet Millie? Swallowing again, I kick shy, stammering, quivering Millie to the curb and get to the point. Well, I'm 28 years old and still a virgin, and I no longer wish to be one. Problem is, I can't seem to find the right guy for the job. Dr. Dave pauses for a moment. Virginity is so relative. A lot of people do lots of sexy things and still consider themselves to be virgins. I smile and say to him indulgently, yes, I know that, Dr. Dave. I've been listening to you for five years. I assure you I am as pure as the driven snow. He makes a strange throaty noise, and I can't tell whether it's approving or disapproving. Obviously, we're talking about penile vaginal intercourse. What about digital penetration? I sigh and swallow nervously. This is really putting myself out there. I hope nobody recognizes my voice. How about I tell you what I have done? It's a much shorter list. He chuckles good-naturedly. All right, baby, give it to me. Oh God, this flirty talk. I have to remind myself it's not real. It's only for the radio. But his advice is real enough, so I keep going. I held hands with Jerry Pulaski in the fourth grade during the couple skate. Long pause. I'm sorry, couple skate? He asks. I explain. Yes, at the roller rink. They played Waterfalls by TLC and called Couple Skate, and we skated together for the whole song, and then when it was over, he didn't say anything, and I didn't say anything, and we both went and sat with our friends and ate popcorn, and that was it. I chew on my lip and wait for him to reply, my feelings punching at the walls of my throat. Chapter 3 David I scraped the stubble on my chin thoughtfully. And that's it? I ask her. She pauses, and I smile. This is the kind of caller who reminds me why I do this job. Lately, I'm getting tired of the same problems. Same sound drops. Same catchphrases. Every night feels like the movie Groundhog Day. Except in my version, there's no amazing woman at the end waiting for me to stop fucking shit up. This caller might just be the end of my Groundhog Day. This caller might even be worth my bike sliding home in the freezing rain after the show. I feel no pain when she talks. Well, Millie stammers. I, I kissed a boy I had a crush on during a game of spin the bottle in high school. But it was just a peck, and the guy was my friend anyway. He came out a week later as gay, and he assured me that I didn't have anything to do with him being gay, because at the time, I didn't know it doesn't work like that. Normally, I don't like it when callers ramble on. But something about her voice gets to me. I immediately like her. Her sweetness comes through in her shaky inhales and her soft drawl. But it's not simply a saccharine surface. Lots of people seem sweet, but are just waiting for the right moment to strike with their venom. Millie, on the other hand, 
doesn't hide anything malicious beneath what she shows to the world. And I have been doing this long enough to read people. Millie is, there's no other word for it, pure. So you're telling me there's been no real kissing? No tongue kissing at all? With anyone? Correct. The feeling of protectiveness rising up in my chest continues to grow. Now I'm conflicted about making good radio versus protecting her from revealing too much about her sex life to hundreds of thousands of listeners. So I switch gears. Millie, what do you do? Couple of things. I work as a security guard, and I knit. Knitting? What do you knit? I knit animal earmuffs and hats, and I sell them on the internet. I do pretty well with it, actually. I'm... I'm working on one set right now. Animal earmuffs? Things that look like animals for kids to wear? Her shy, breathy laugh hits me somewhere in my chest and squeezes me. Not exactly. I knit things for young farm animals to wear in cold weather. If I wasn't paying attention before. Wait a minute, back up. You knit little tiny hats and earmuffs for baby animals to wear? Enlighten me some more. Well, sometimes farmers want warm ear coverings for calves, baby goats, donkeys, whatever animals they have. I promise it's a real thing. Google it. Llamas? I have done some for baby llamas and alpacas, yes, she says with an indulging smile in her voice. You're telling me your name is Millie, and you make little bitty hats for baby farm animals, and you're a virgin? Y yes I have to stop myself from blurting something out, something like an immediate marriage proposal. It's too much to process how fucking cute she is. And she's not even my type. She's too shy for me. I'm sorry. I'm having trouble processing these feelings I'm having right now, I say. A small gasp from her lands in my ears. Um, why? I clear my throat, and through the window of the sound booth, my producer, Reagan, gives me a grossed-out look. I'm so rattled I forgot to use the cough button. So, no boyfriend. Not dating anyone currently. That's good. Excuse me? She squeaks. Sorry, that's not what I meant. That's a lie. That's absolutely what I meant. The idea of this sweet, pure woman on a date with anybody but me makes my blood pressure rise. This is insane. I've taken thousands of calls from women over the years, all of them sexy in their own way, but not a single one of them has made me feel things down in my guts. Reagan is looking at me with both excitement and bewilderment, probably because to her, it sounds like I'm on the verge of hitting on a caller, not just flirting. I'm flustered. God damn it. Smooth-talking Dr. Dave, the radio personality, does not get flustered. David Hart, M.D., can discuss all manner of gross situations and injuries in a dignified manner. Plain old David Hart, single guy, on the other hand, is absolutely unsettled, and he is fucking this all right up. I could continue to play off what I've just said, for the sake of professional radio, and to hide my feelings. I could do that. But something inside me doesn't want to play it cool. Actually. That's exactly what I meant. I like you, and I'm feeling a little bit protective, I say. 
She replies, Can I be honest with you, Dr. Dave? God, yes, please. My three older brothers have been overly protective of me my entire life, and they're part of the problem. They've been scaring boys away from me since I was 14. I have to chuckle. I like them already. Millie's tone turns slightly indignant. Well, I don't need another caveman brother, she says. I need you. I mean, I need someone objective to tell me how to find the right candidate to have sex with me. Sign me up. I volunteer as tribute, I want to say. I take a sip of water to counteract my dry mouth and to cool off the fire she's stoking inside me. Describe the right candidate, I reply. Well, I don't necessarily want a relationship, but I'm open to it if one develops naturally. Whether or not it is a one-night stand, the guy doesn't have to be perfect. I don't care about washboard abs. I mean, I'm not exactly a petite girl myself. But I do want him to be kind and patient, and confident enough to do me this favor. Plus, well, he should be fun to talk to. You know, before and after. I can practically hear her blushing when she says, before and after. It's so freaking adorable. These feelings in my chest, my stomach, and now in my pants, keep sending the same irrational thought to my brain. That thought is me. It needs to be me. I can already picture this amazing woman in my head. I understand completely what she wants. And there can be nobody else, nobody but me, to help her navigate her first time. I'm the only one who can treat her right. I know exactly how to make her feel sexy, how to build her up, get her ready, please her, and blow her mind. How to usher her to a fucking incredible orgasm, and then take excellent care of her afterward. It absolutely has to be me. No other choice exists. She's mine. Has anybody tried? Well, there is a guy where I work that sometimes asks me out, but I'm really not interested, she says. If she could see the way my nostrils flare with jealousy and rage, it might scare the hell out of her. And you haven't given that guy the boot yet? What's his name? She laughs. Honestly? I call him Pretzel Guy in my head because I can't remember his name. He manages the soft pretzel kiosk at the mall where I work. Wait, I say, my alarm bells going off in my head. You said you worked the overnight shift. What the hell is Pretzel Guy still doing there while you're at work? Millie attempts to explain the situation, clearly feeling bad about mentioning Pretzel Guy on the air. Oh, well, he works late, I guess. He says he has to stay late to knead the dough and get things ready for the morning. I think. He's usually on his way out when I'm on my way in, but he always has to stop and say hi to me. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and he's just trying to be friendly. No. Nope, I interject. Trust your gut on this one, Millie. That guy is bad news. I want you to stop being nice to him, immediately. That's the only language guys like that understand. The next time you see him, Tell him you have a boyfriend, and he doesn't like other guys sniffing around his girl. But I don't have a boyfriend. You will, soon enough, I say. What am I saying? 
I can't promise this woman something like that. Oh, my conscience tells me. But can't you? Shouldn't a simple rejection be enough for a guy to back off? Why should I have to lie about having a boyfriend? You're absolutely right. Sorry. My testosterone took over. You keep having this effect on me, Millie. Reagan's mouth drops open, and she's fanning herself and giving me the thumbs up. My producer seems to think this whole thing I'm doing with Millie is a bit. It isn't. But Reagan doesn't need to know that yet. This might indeed be good radio, but the truth is, I'm thinking of this lonely, sweet, sexy virgin alone in a shopping mall at night as she describes some guy who can't take no for an answer. And all sorts of things are happening to my body. I'm hot. My muscles are tight, like I'm ready to street fight. And, yep, there it is. My cock is jerking awake. In all my years of doing this radio gig and flirting with countless women, all of whom I truly cared about and did my best to help, never have any of them evoked a physical reaction like this from me. Millie's laughter sends a tingle down my back. Okay, it's not like he's going to kidnap me or something. Trust me, Millie. He's already lied to you. That ain't a French patisserie he's running. They get that cheap-ass dough out of the freezer in the morning, and boom, done. What's a patisserie? I seem to be on a roll with blurting out the first thing that pops into my head. So here comes another one. A type of French bakery. Someday we'll go to Paris together and eat croissants until we're ready to burst. Millie goes quiet for a moment. My eyes snap up to Reagan, who is holding up her hands and mouthing the words, What the fuck? I can read her face. She thinks the bit is going too far. My Millie saves the day by playing off what I've said like it's superficial flirting. Sure, let's go right now, she replies, with the cutest, sexiest laugh I've ever heard. I give her my deepest signature Dr. Dave sexy chuckle. <laughs> Just you and me, baby. Millie makes a noise that almost sounds dismissive. You know what I think? Yes, I do. I think I know exactly what you're thinking, sweetheart but she's not responding to my shtick anymore. I think there's something more to you than this womanizing playboy persona you have on the radio. Am I right about that? Suddenly, she's not laughing anymore, or volleying any more sexy banter. Struggling to right this crashing aircraft, I pull up. Who says I'm a womanizer and a playboy? Everyone. Literally everyone. In fact, I'm looking at the station website right now, and those words are in your bio. Mental note. Change my bio. And then throttle whoever wrote that garbage. Millie, I can't tell you why right now. But it's important to me that you understand I am not a Lothario. I love and respect women. I know, she says. The smile in her voice has returned. My breathing calms. What kind of a ride is she taking me on here? I've listened to you for years, and I've read all your books. You might be a major flirt on the air, but your advice is sound, you treat everyone with kindness, and you're pretty funny, too. Coming from some people, her words might sound like hero worship, which I've never cared for. But from her, it feels as necessary as water. 
It's not my ego that feels good when she says stuff like that, but some other part of me that wants to make her feel as special as she makes me feel. Well, let's not get carried away. I'm not that awesome. Back to you. Tell me about your dating experiences. Well, like I said, my three older brothers pretty much scared off any guys who came sniffing around. My dad was a pastor, but left the family when I was a teenager. He wasn't the best example of how a man should treat a woman. He wasn't abusive or anything, but always had a comment about my clothes or what I ate or the way I talked. Nothing I said or did was ladylike enough for him. After he left my mom for his church secretary, I guess I rebelled by eating things he never allowed me to eat. I never slept around because I guess the fear he'd instilled in me kind of stuck. I'm shaking my head and trying not to crack my knuckles in response to all of this. First of all, you're a human being. You are built to eat good food and have good sex. Our bodies are designed for these things to bring us pleasure and a little bit of happiness in this fucked up world. Oh, God. Uh, sorry. Reagan is freaking out in the sound booth, but she's got a hair-trigger response for that dump button. Millie gasps and laughs, but I reassure her that's what the seven-second delay is for. But I probably shouldn't let that happen again, or the station manager will be on my ass. Millie laughs again, and it's different from the nervous, breathy Millie from a few minutes ago. It's high, and tumbles through the line like the sounds of a wind chime. She empowers me to continue. My listeners, for some reason, love it when I talk shit about the boss. Actually, no. He won't be on my ass, because he's at home asleep on his overpriced mattress, a gift from one of the advertisers that my show brought in, thank you very much. Did I get a fancy mattress? No. I just get chewed out every night by him for speaking the truth. She continues to laugh. I'm so proud I could thump my chest like a gorilla. Alpha male cause female to make happy sound. I don't thump my chest. Instead, I turn the focus back onto Millie. Tell me about some of the dates you've been on. She takes a deep breath. I can already tell I'm not going to like what she has to say. Chapter 4 Millie The truth is, I'm surprisingly boy-crazy for someone so shy, I tell him. I've been set up on plenty of blind dates with guys who I thought were very attractive, but it never ends well. One of them asked me how long I was going to stay with my dead-end job, not even bothering to ask me if I actually enjoy my so-called dead-end job. Another time, someone sent me up with a doctor, and I thought we were getting along. Then he told me what I think is actually a clue as to why I rarely get asked on second dates. He said my boobs were too big. So... I'm open to having breast reduction surgery because I wonder if that might boost my confidence when I'm on a date. What do you think? Do they cause you any medical problems? Back pain, etc.? No? Well, then he's an idiot. You're perfect the way you are. I blush so deeply, I'm thankful that Dr. Dave can't see me right now. Dr. Dave, you can't see them. They really are too big. I can assure you that's not a thing unless they cause you discomfort. He's a dipshit. I gasp and laugh out loud. Apologies for the language. Reagan, 
You're not sleeping on the seven-second delay button, are you? I continue to giggle. Oh my god, I haven't laughed this much in so long. I feel like something inside me is unclenching, relaxing. His voice is even more rough and sexy over the phone than it is on the radio, and my body, which doesn't understand that it's all just innocent flirting, responds to it. My heart races, my nipples feel tight, and every nerve ending between my thighs crackles. Beyond that, my emotions are becoming unruly. If I'm not careful, I'm going to develop more than a crush on this voice on the other end of the line. Real feelings could start to elbow their way in. I'm going to stop you right there, though. What's your cup size? This question does not shock me. While Dr. Dave is a professional, he doesn't shy away from his playboy persona on the air. He peppers his advice with plenty of mild flirting. It's that combination of professional advice giver and shock jock that makes me enjoy listening to him so much. And now that I'm actually on the phone with him, maybe my enjoyment is crossing the line into a serious yet unrequited infatuation. I'm not sure, I say, embarrassed. All I know is nothing fits. The witches at the lingerie store here at the mall, you know the one, have made it perfectly clear that they don't carry anything that fits me. First thing you need to do is be properly fitted. I have a cloth measuring tape. I'll do it myself if you come down to the studio. He offers. It's true. He's done this kind of stunt on the radio before. I remember one time, he had a bit where he guessed listeners' cup sizes and then had them measured by a staff member to see if he was correct. I reply, I would, but I can't leave the mall. He's quiet for a moment. You have department stores at that mall? Yes, I do. Do you have a key? Go down there right now and get a tape measure. I'm sure they have some in the lingerie department. I'm definitely not going to do that. Okay, sorry. Did I come off too strong? I sigh. What is he playing at? Do I care? My quickly dampening undies right now do not care. I don't feel objectified. I just can't go rifling through their things. I'll get caught on camera and be fired by morning. Dr. Dave tries again. You know what? Forget about getting fitted for now. Send me a picture of yourself and I'll tell you your cup size. And I promise it's not too big by anybody's reasonable standards. You want me to send a photo of myself? When we go to commercial, I'll give you the email address where you can send it right to my desk here in the booth. I bite my lip. This is strange, but, well, he is a doctor. Okay, I'm working on the photo right now, I say. I put the desk phone on speaker so I can keep listening to Dr. Dave while I unbutton my uniform shirt. Working on it? Okay, do what you gotta do, Angel, he says, sounding a little bit confused. Almost ready, I say. He moves on to the subject of my abysmal dating life. While I'm waiting on that photo, Millie, let's forget about all those wrong guys you've dated. The only thing you need to boost your confidence is you. I'm pretty good at reading people, and I already know you are smart, kind, thoughtful, funny, beautiful. You just have to believe that about yourself. The sound of his voice and his words makes my skin react with goosebumps as I bare my flesh. 
I remove my bra and quickly take the photo. It's dim, but you can still see everything in the light coming from the security monitors in front of me. That should be enough to get his opinion. I hear him say, and that's a commercial break. You still there, Millie? I'm here. His voice is slightly different, more earnest. I'm dead serious. I think the only thing wrong with you is that you've been picking the wrong guys. Thank your lucky stars you're still a virgin. I pick the phone back up and take him off speaker, even though I'm still not finished buttoning myself back up. If you say so, I guess. Millie, he says. I want you to stay on the line and I want to keep talking. Is that all right? I think we have a lot to talk about, you and I. The way he says you and I makes me shiver. As my hands brush against the skin on my chest, I feel my nipples tighten some more. I'm good with that. I'd like to keep talking to you too. Good. I like your voice. I hope that doesn't creep you out. He says. I bite my lip. Thank you. No, you don't creep me out. If you did, I would never have called. I don't know how to find the right guy, but I for sure know which guys are the wrong ones. He pauses slightly. And how do you think you'll know when you've met the right one? Well, I don't know exactly how I'll know, but I think he would have to be, well, be more like you. Chapter 5 David Checking my email, I see that Millie's message with her photo has arrived. Dying of curiosity, I click on it. Oh, shit. That's a selfie, all right. A topless selfie, showing her from the neck all the way down to her navel. For what must be the first time in my entire broadcast career, I fumble my words. Dr. Dave? You still there? Am I here? No. I'm floating. Somewhere above the clouds. There she is. Tendrils of light brown hair haphazardly fall around bare shoulders, framing her exquisite rack. The lighting is dim, but I can see everything. Her abundant breasts are as she described. Large, yes but nothing I can't handle. With erect, dusky nipples, begging me to warm them up. She's so fucking beautiful. And I am in so much trouble if anyone sees this. I have two choices right now. Tell her that's not what I asked for and explain that I meant a photo of herself dressed. Or simply say thank you and give her my guess as to her cup size. It seems irrelevant now. Even without a second glance, I know she's a triple E cup. Of course, I email back my only choice. Thank you. Triple E, love. We're back on the air in a few seconds, and we don't have to talk about cup size anymore. I delete her email. What I'm not going to do is allow anyone else to see this photo and use it for a bit. I'm not going to let my producer Reagan make it part of the show, nor anyone else. Beautiful, I say over the phone. Just beautiful. She pauses for a second and replies, Thank you. Send me a picture of just your face. Dr. Dave, we're on the air, shouts Reagan from the producer's booth. 
Oh, crap. How much of that went live? She leans into the microphone and laughs. Enough. But do keep flirting with the caller. I want to hear more. I refresh the email at my desk, eager for the photo of her face to appear, while I keep talking. You know, Millie, you come off as shy at first, but you've got a very brave heart. Listeners, don't underestimate shy people. Sometimes they can shock you to your core. The photo of Millie's face arrives, and I click on it so fucking hard. There's a cute, messy bun, luminous skin. Her full lips, parted in half a smile, match the color of her nipples that are now forever branded in my memory. Wit and innocence sparkle in her eyes. There is something so sweet and vulnerable about what she did. She's so open-hearted, I can't understand why someone hasn't snatched her up. Clearly there is nothing wrong with you. All these men are imbeciles. You should come to one of my speaking events. I'd love to meet up with you. I can get you a VIP ticket. You don't have to do that. Besides, I've seen you before. I worked security last time you did a charity thing where I work, she says. I remember that event. Southfield Mall. It was a fundraiser for childhood cancer research. I don't say it out loud on the air. First of all, I don't want listeners to know where she works. And also, I don't want to toot my own horn. Those events are full of admirers and superfans waiting in lines ten miles long. You have me on the phone now. What are you waiting for? Millie says. I glance up at Reagan. Her eyebrows are raised, and she does a hand signal for me to keep going. Chapter 6 Millie Nothing about this conversation is going the way I thought it would. My feelings are all over the place. What began as an innocent crush has turned into something else. Full-blown, real-life affection. This isn't a fantasy anymore, and if he's toying with me, so help me God, I will swallow my pride and sick my biggest brother on him faster than you can say, soft pretzel with hot-melted industrial cheese product. And that would not end well. My middle brother, Max, is bigger than all of them. And not only is he a cop, but also a locally famous, semi-professional wrestler in his spare time. Max would not hesitate to put Dr. Dave in the ground with one word from me. Treading carefully, my voice trembling more than I wish it would, I say, So, do you have any advice for me? About... My problem? The way he's breathing through his nose sounds like an angry bull. I wonder if people listening over the airwaves can hear it. I check the time and it's 12.30 a.m. already. Time to do the walkabout and check on all the locks. I never thought this phone call would go on so long. We've only taken one commercial break when I'm pretty sure there should have been three. And he should be on his third caller by now. I know from listening that the station manager and his advertisers are going to be livid by now. I do. I do have advice for you, Millie. The sexy, gravelly sound of his voice ricochets inside my abdomen, building up a craving so intense it hurts. 
I try to take a deep breath to keep my hands from shaking, but it only stimulates the lump in my throat, triggering tears in the corners of my eyes from the sheer emotional tension. I can't control the hoarse whisper that escapes me, knowing it's going to be unintelligible on the radio. What? What's your advice? I'm dying over here. Almost before I can finish that sentence, he blurts out, It's me. I want to be the one. Wait for me. All the air puffs out of my lungs and a tear spills down my cheek. No, this can't be real. You did not just tell me to save my virginity for you. Yes, I fucking did. I don't even care that he's cussing on the air. I'm way more concerned that he might be playing with me. But he's not. I called him on it, and I think he's telling the truth. I, I, I don't know how to respond to that. Listen, stay on the line. I don't want to go, but they're forcing me to take another call. But stay on the line and make sure Reagan has your number just in case we drop you. I need to talk to you off the air, okay, sweetheart? Of all the times I've heard that famous voice say, sweetheart, this is the first time I felt as if it's sincere. I swallow and wipe a tear off my cheek. Okay, I breathe. I'll be right here. I'm not going anywhere. See that you don't, baby. He clicks me on hold, and I wait while need slicks my undies and emotions slither through my gut and squeeze my stomach like a boa constrictor. Chapter 7 Dave Reagan, where the fuck did she go? She shrugs, looking disinterested in my distress over her dropping Millie off the line. Give me the number, I bellow. Dave, you're back on the air in three minutes, and you're in the middle of another call. I'm going to ignore the fact that you're pretending to be my handler right now and ask again nicely. Give me her number. She sighs. I don't have her number. She was a scheduled call-in. I grit out. Check the caller ID logs. I told her to stay on the line, so I need to call her back. Reagan stands up. If I do this for you, will you get back in there and get ready to come back from commercial? She digs out the number from our call logs, and I type it into my cell phone and click call. She doesn't answer. Shit. Shit, shit, shit. Where the fuck is she? I know she's not sitting at her security desk ignoring me. Or is she? No. No, I don't think that's right. I pace around the studio, but I don't prepare to go back on the air. Instead, I check my computer's email for the message she sent earlier with the photo of her face. Jackpot. At the end of her email is her automatic signature. Millie Hansen. Her knitted animal accessories website link. Some random quote about big-breasted girls. And her cell phone number. I punch it into my personal cell phone and hit the call button. And I wait. Chapter 8 Millie Where did you go? I'm still trying to process the fact that Dr. Dave is calling me on my cell phone. How is this happening? I mean, I'm glad it's happening. I'm elated it's happening. I now feel pretty sure this is not part of a long joke being played on me by his radio persona.
This is real. He sought out my number and is sounding pretty peeved that my call got dropped. I don't know. I was waiting, like you said. Then the call got dropped by accident, I guess. And in the meantime, I had to leave my desk to do the lock checks. Normally it's not my job, but Paul's kid is sick. Well, you don't want to hear about that. So now I'm doing that. You know, walking around to make sure everything is locked up and there's no shenanigans going on late at night at the mall. I could be mistaken, but the noise he makes on the other end almost sounds like an angry caveman grunt. Even more shocking is that my body kind of likes it. I don't like the idea of you walking around the dark mall alone late at night, Millie. Trust me, nothing ever happens here, unless you count the occasional rat rooting around the soft pretzel stand. I don't think pretzel guy cleans it up very well at night. Dr. Dave mutters something about not wanting to talk about pretzel guy anymore. Hey, I interject. Aren't you supposed to be on the air with another caller right now? Yeah, in about another minute. My heart drops. Oh, well, do you want me to go? No, he growls. Don't fucking go anywhere. If the call gets dropped, find the best reception and I'll call you back, okay? I don't want to waste another second. Listen, where are you right now? I glance around and say, I'm standing in front of that lingerie store. You know, the one with the fashion show with the angel wings. He grunts. I'm familiar. Fuck, now I'm picturing those gorgeous, lickable breasts of yours in something from that store. I laugh. Good luck with that. They don't carry my cup size, remember? I've never been able to shop at that store. It's so depressing. Dr. Dave cusses, berating himself for making me feel bad. It's fine, I say. I hear him breathing while he pauses. Let's have some fun, baby. What do you say? I bite my lip, wishing he could see the grin he's provoking on my face. What did you have in mind? He cuts to the chase. Millie, this is crazy and it may be hard for you to believe, but this connection is real. I feel it. Are you feeling it? I suck in a breath and have to cover my mouth to keep from smiling like an even bigger idiot. But why? Nobody is here to see it. Yes, I do feel it, I whisper, my hand going to my chest, as if my heart might burst out of it at any minute. Baby, listen, this show is over in an hour. Then I'm coming to where you are, and we are going to do exactly what you said. Sparks ignite and crackle over every inch of my skin. Is this really happening? Are you saying you really want to be my first? I thought that was painfully obvious. I've been telling you this. I thought it was just good radio. Baby, you're not just good radio. You're good everything. I am full-on white-knuckle gripping the glass railing around the second floor right now because my knees are about to buckle. How am I so powerless against his charms? Somebody is pounding on something, and I realize the sound is coming from his phone. What's that? It's my producer. I locked myself in the bathroom so I can talk to you, and so she'll have no choice but to run another couple of commercials. Oh, gosh. I don't want you to get in trouble. I tell him, I'm already in trouble, in more ways than one. Now what do you say? 
Let me come pick you up and we'll talk about how and where you'd like to do this, if you want me to. Do you want me to? I sigh a shivering sigh. I would love to, but you're forgetting something. I'm at work here until seven. Sweetheart, you can just quit that job. You're with me now. Well, that was not what I was expecting. I feel the need to set him straight. Listen, I like my job. I like my independence. I like my life. I don't need you to whisk me away, okay? Okay, fair enough. Sorry. I got overwhelmed and I'm really eager to see you, Angel. He's called me every pet name in the book over the last 30 minutes, and it never gets old. The tingles just keep coming. Well, in the entire scope of things, a few hours isn't that long of a wait, is it? He laughs. Gonna be the longest few hours of my fucking life. Well, I can give you something to think about in the meantime. I say, hardly believing the weird fantasy I'm about to reveal. Dr. Dave groans. Oh, baby, don't tell me. No, wait. Yes, tell me. I close my eyes and cringe as I say it. You know those big linen stores that sell all the bedroom and bathroom stuff? They have one here. Well, I have a weird secret. Do you want to hear it? You're killing me, doll. And absolutely I do. The low register of his voice continues to violate me through the phone, and I find it delicious. I continue. Well, I've always had a little fantasy about hooking up with a nameless, faceless guy at the linen store. You know, on one of those really tastefully decorated bedding displays. He pauses, and I'm ready to feel humiliated if he laughs at my silly fantasy. You mean those little half-size beds with a thousand throw pillows that are not actually meant for sleeping? Yeah, I say, waiting for the axe to fall. Instead, I hear a low, guttural growl and the word, fuck. And then he says, I can't let you have a nameless hookup on one of those stupid mini beds. Millie, that's gonna be me on that bed with you. Oh, okay. I can barely get out the words. I'm so happy. More pounding and shouting. I think Dr. Dave is in more trouble at work than he's letting on. Where are you precisely? I let him know that now. I'm right in front of the sporting goods store. Are you anywhere where the security cameras can see you? I grin. It just so happens I'm in a dead zone. The cameras in this area have been acting wonky for a while now. His voice drops lower, and he whispers, Find a secluded spot right now. I want you to get ready for me. Shaking all over, I duck into a nook by the maintenance access doors. In between the hippie crystals store and the one that sells all the pop culture t-shirts. Done, I breathe. Now, I don't want to freak you out, but do it. Be freaky. His words sweep over my skin like feathers. Put your sweet hand down your panties. As if I hadn't thought of that. I unzip my pants and slip my hand on the front of my panties. Done. Are you wet? I slide my hand deeper. God, yes, I breathe. The way you talk to me, I don't have to touch myself to know I'm wet. Fuck.
he whispers. I close my eyes as my fingers sweep down the bare skin of my bikini area, farther down toward my split. My whole body is electrified, anticipating what he might tell me to do next. I'm so fucking hard for you right now, baby. Rub yourself while I talk to you, he says, and close your eyes. My hand slides lower, rubbing, while my fingers slip in between my folds. The wetness is unreal, and the sensation of my hand's exploration and Dr. Dave's voice in my ear drenches me even more. When you scream my name, I want you to call me David, okay? That's my name. Dave is the guy on the radio. Me, here, with you. I'm just David, okay? Okay, tell me what you want me to do next, I plead. Has my sweet virgin ever gotten herself off before? I'm so hot right now, my eyes want to roll back in my head, and I fear my knees might give out. But I keep control of myself and answer him. Yes, touch your clit and tell me what it feels like. When my fingers swipe my tight button, my body jerks, and I let out a small whimper before biting down on my lip. My cheeks feel hot. Oh, what does it feel like? I squeeze it gently. Hard, a little achy and throbbing. It wants you, not me. Sweetheart, you are letting me get away with murder, you know that. My words sound like the sins I've yet to commit when I reply. David, you could get away with anything at all when it comes to me. Welcome back. Hey. Okay, so she just had a book go live like literally this morning. It's Doing Him Good, and I have the bio for that one. Okay, what happens when a repressed single preacher finally snaps? Well, if your name is Boone, you might land your ass in jail for stealing stealing and rehoning mistreated dogs, or rehoming mistreated dogs. When the church sends him to time out to think about what he's done, he instead has something way less wholesome in his mind. Boone intends to spend every waking and sleeping moment with attempting Delilah, the woman he first meets on his way out the door of his church for the very last time. After a week of sowing his long overdue wild oats with the girl of his dreams, Boone has decided to make, will he beg forgiveness or pursue happiness? I think we all know how to answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Says contents may also include, the appearance of Boone's younger sister, Molly, from fencing her in. Two adorably awkward virgins. A fight at the roller derby. A commemorative tattoo. And Molly's famous peach cobbler to help the parents calm down about everything. Don't forget to grab the standalone companion to this, fencing her in. Awesome. So right. fencing her in and uh, the one you just... Doing her good. Doing him do, good. And Sorry. Doing him mm-hmm. good. Okay. So those are out now. And then on Friday, we'll tell you about more. Uh, but Abby's also giving away a $50 Am- Target gift card. So if you head to, what's that website again, Mel? Readmeromance.com. <laughs> and enter to win. You know, like, who doesn't want a $50 Target gift oh, card? I'm getting it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to walk okay. over to her house and be like, um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hand it over. Uh-huh. Uh, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. 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 Read me romance.